Well, today we are wrapping up a series called Unqualified, and like I said, next week we're going to talk about canceled. It's going to be so much fun, especially on the 4th of July. We're going to have some fireworks up in the room. It's going to be great. Um, so if, you, if you've heard me speak or you are familiar with anything that I've ever talked about, illustrations, whatever, you know, what I'm about to say, you already know. It's, it's not a secret. In fact, I think most of you would agree with me on this. And that's really tough as a communicator is finding common ground that you feel like most people will agree with you on because there's so many different people in here from different backgrounds. We have different opinions. And so I think I found a statement that I'm going to make that I believe, and listen, you don't even have to be a Christian to agree with this statement. Here it is. I hate to wait. Anybody with me on this? I hate to wait. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now that's most people. There's always, always one person going, well, the Bible says to wait on the Lord, and I just love it. Okay, that's why you have no friends. It's because you're like that, okay? I hate to wait. I hate to wait. on Like if, I, like if you invite me over for dinner and you say 6 o'clock, what time are we supposed to eat? Yeah, 6 o'clock. I don't want to fellowship and then eat. I want to eat. And then decide if I want to fellowship. That, that's what I want, right? I remember I went to a restaurant one time a year. Everybody went to these fancy restaurants where they come around with a cart and they start telling you about all the stuff on the cart. This is a steak and this steak came from Nebraska. And it was aged. I, I told a guy one time, I don't care. I want that one right there with some water. And if you'll go do it right now, I'll leave you a great tip. He was like, mama didn't raise a fool. And he left. And he, he brought me because I hate to wait. I hate to wait in the grocery store. I've confessed this before. If I get in a line in the grocery store, I've got two things going on. I'm in line, but I've got the mental me in the other line. And if mental me gets through the line before the real me, I'm mad because I hate to wait. I hate traffic. I hate standing in line. I hate to wait. And, and if we're just being honest, because I'm 50 and unfiltered, I can say this. I hate to wait on God. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We got one honest person in the room. You do too. Don't, don't walk in here pretending like the only problem you woke up with this morning is your halo was a little crooked and you had to straighten it up before you walked into church. <laughs> like when I get sick, I want God to heal me right then. I don't want God to teach me during my time of affliction. All right? That's what a Baptist prayer. I'm, I'm a Pentecostal. Heal me right now, God. I'll start pulling oil, whatever I got to do. I want healed now. When I got COVID, I was like, God, whatever you do, God, don't let me lose taste and smell. <laughs> I woke up one morning, it was gone. Taste and smell was gone. And you know how I knew? Because I was taking handfuls of salt and throwing it in my mouth to see if like, I couldn't taste. I said, God, please. And I mean, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Within two hours, it returned. Taste and smell. I still had COVID, but I didn't care because I had taste and smell. It was like I didn't want to wait. I hate to wait on God because here's why. In the Bible, God does miracles that are amazing. Like, have you ever read a story where Jesus just walked in and healed people immediately? See, I want that. I want problems to go away right now. I want you to, like, I was reading a story the other day about how the, the Israelites were fighting somebody and these people started running from the Israelites. And so God started throwing hailstones down on the enemy. And I'm like, do that. God, I want that. I want, I want, I want you to take care of my problems immediately. And he really does. Most of the time I find myself waiting and I don't like it. But I've discovered that during those seasons of waiting, 
during those seasons of frustration, during those seasons where you can't quite figure out what he's doing, he's, he's doing way more than we could have ever imagined, and he's working things out way better than we could have ever planned. Even though we hate to wait, I promise you, in that waiting season, God is working even when we're waiting, even when we can't see it. And I'm going to prove it to you today in a story that I've, I've never taught it this way. I've never seen what I'm going to share with you today. This is why I love the Bible, because Hebrews says that the Word of God is living and active. And so what I'm going to share with you today, I've never really taught. We're going to start in John chapter 21. Jesus has been crucified, and he's risen from the dead. And in John chapter 21, we're going to see a pretty familiar story. If you've got a church background, you've seen this story, you've heard this story taught before. Here we go, John chapter 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Now, that's very important. It's very important. Because when Jesus first called Peter, Peter was fishing on the Sea of Galilee. Y'all are great. Okay, I set y'all up for a win right there. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. We don't even know who they were, just the two other people, all right? Here's what happened. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night, which is like all of my fishing experiences, which is why I don't fish. Now, here's the, pro- here's the, here's the issue. I, th- I thought this for years, and I used to, I've taught this before, and maybe you've heard this taught before, that Simon Peter um, had said he wouldn't like deny Jesus, and they did it, and, and all of a sudden, he don't know what to do, so he goes back to Galilee, and what, did he, what occupation did he have before he met Jesus? He was a fisherman from Galilee. So he went back to where he was before he met Jesus, and he started doing what he did before he met Jesus. And that's very common sometimes is people will, um, sometimes we'll grow distant from the Lord and we'll go back to where we were before we met Jesus and we'll start doing things that we used to do before we met Jesus. And that's a great story, but I don't think that's what happened. And the reason I don't think that's what happened is because we have four Gospels. we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so when we start looking at the totality of the story, we begin to piece some things together. And so what I'm about to teach you on today, I've never seen before, and it starts with an awkward conversation between Jesus and Peter. Now remember, they had an awkward conversation last week because Jesus called Peter Satan. That's just awkward to call somebody that, all right? So we're going to start with an awkward conversation this week between Peter and Jesus. Now, this is the night before Jesus is crucified, and Jesus and Peter are having a one-on-one kind of conversation, other disciples in the room, but Jesus is specifically talking to Peter, and he says this. By the way, a lot of people said, I want God to speak to me. I want God to speak to me too, sometimes. I don't want God speaking to me if he's going to say stuff like this to me. You ready for it? Here we go. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. I didn't say Siri, I said Simon. Shut up. (laughs) My wife started talking, did y'all hear that? It's crazy. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Now, what do you do to relax? Now think about it. Like how many people, you, you play golf to relax. You play golf. Come on, raise your hands. I'm not going to make fun of you, okay? Yeah, okay. So very few people raise your hands. How many of you play golf 
to gamble and cuss, okay? Okay, yeah, yeah, y'all are my people, all right? Thank you very much, thank you. Y'all are welcome at this place right here. Um, how many people fish and hunt to relax? You, it's, it's outdoors, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many people is a Manny Petty to relax? Manny, okay, okay, yeah, if a guy put your hand down. Um, how, how, you just need a hot, nice hot bath with, without kids in the room, okay? Yeah, 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 we do different things to relax. All of us do, I like sitting by the pool to relax. I sit by the pool, I'm relaxed, it calms me down. For the record, I've got a neighborhood pool. I don't have a personal pool, it's a neighborhood pool. Once I find that 40 million, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build everybody a pool, all right? Everybody get in a pool. <laughs> But I got a neighborhood pool, and I love sitting by the pool and relaxing. You know what nobody loves to do to relax? Nobody, hey, what you going to do this afternoon to relax? Oh, I'm going to go get sifted like wheat. <laughs> you going to do what? Yeah, I'm going to get sifted like wheat. See, if you told me that you are going to get sifted like wheat, I'd be like, man, we got a care team. We're going to get you some help. <laughs> I think that's illegal in South Carolina. It's probably legal in Colorado, but you can't do that in South Carolina, all right? So, like, that doesn't, that doesn't sound fun. In fact, I Googled what meant sifted, and I read the process, and, and for wheat, it looks normal, but for a human, it looks painful. So, in other words, Jesus tells Simon, Satan's asked to, to hurt you. Now, I want to hear from Jesus, but I don't want to hear that. And then it gets kind of crazy, because you know, there's different versions of the Bible, and I typically teach out of the New Living Translation because it's the, it's the easiest to understand. But from time to time, I'm a little old school. I like to go back to King Jimmy and, and see what he's got to say, King James, you know, because I love the, the Christmas story out of King James because that's the way it is in the Charlie Brown Christmas story, and so I like that. And so in, in the King James, what I'm about to share, y'all, y'all, this is some scary stuff. This is scary. This is scary, all right? Now, maybe you've never read, oh, I just love everything Jesus said. You had not read this. You had not read this because this is scary. Here we go. And the, Lord and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. <laughs> Do I? <what? laughs> you, you told him no, right? <laughs> He wants what? He's a dirty man. He needs to, like, this is, this, Satan has desired to have you. I don't like that. Now, it takes new meaning if you were to say, Shannon, Shannon's my wife, Perry, Shannon has desired to have you. Well, all right. <laughs> we can make something happen. <laughs> like, if I get that text from her, I'm walking out of a meeting. I'm doing a U-turn. I thought you were 50. Hey, I'm 50, but your boy ain't dead, all right? I'm, 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 I'm happy about that. I didn't say that in the last service because she was in here, all right? Y'all don't tell her. Y'all don't, she's working with the kids right now, so y'all keep that between us, all right? I'm in so much trouble. You know what I want to do this afternoon? I'm digging out of my problem. That's what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. But that's the problem if, you, if you're Peter because he, he, he says Satan hath like the devil wants you. And if you're Peter, you're kind of, I, I got a couple questions on Peter. Number one, Jesus, why are you talking to the devil? Y'all aren't supposed to be friends. Y'all are not supposed to have conversations. Number two, what did you tell him when he asked about me? Like, what did you tell him? And, and, and I think maybe, maybe that got said or maybe Peter gave Jesus a look. And then, but Jesus says this, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. 
if you're Peter, this is not what you want to hear. Do you know sometimes God tells us stuff that we don't want to hear? I had like four people go, mm, <laughs> mm. I had a guy one time visiting the church. And I was like, he's like, I love your church, but I don't know why everybody moves. Huh? He said, every once in a while, you'll say something, everybody goes, mm. I was like, oh, that's an amen. It's just like a Baptist amen. They haven't learned to be charismatic yet, but it's a Baptist amen. We move. We don't say amen, all right? So for those of y'all that moved, thank you very much. If I'm, if I'm Peter, I don't want to hear what Jesus has to say next because this is what Jesus says. But I have pleaded in prayer for you. Okay, well, thank you very much, Jesus. That's awesome. I don't need your prayers. I need you to punch him in the throat. I need you to put him in the figure four leg lock and have him submit. I need you coming off the top rope with a Randy Savage macho man elbow drop and, and, and knock him into next week. That right there, Jesus, sounds like you're going to let it happen. But I have prayed for you. Don't, don't you hate that sometimes? I, now, I'm just being real. I hate it when sometimes when people come up to me and go, how you doing? And they touch me like I'm brittle. I'm like, I'm doing fine. Do you show? This is weird right now. I'm praying for you, brother. And I always want to go, I ain't your... And anyway, so, so I, am, <laughs> I, am, I am praying for you, Simon. I'm praying for you that your faith should not fail. Well, obviously, Jesus messed that up on the surface. Because for those that know the story... Peter goes on to deny Jesus how many times? Three. So on the surface, and this isn't a trick question, did Peter fail, yes or no? Yeah. When you deny Jesus three times, so much so that you're cussing out a teenage girl, let's be honest. Don't cuss out teenage girls. But Peter did. And chopped the guy's ear off. If you chop a guy's ear off and cuss out a teenage girl, I'm just going to say, I don't think you're following Jesus very closely. Okay? Now, in Anderson, we call that Saturday night. But, but, but in the Bible, that's not, that's not legit. You shouldn't do stuff like that. I have prayed for you. So what Jesus is saying is, Peter, I know you're about to blow it. I know you're about to mess up. So what I've done for you is I put a spiritual foundation in place. I've done something for you, Peter, that you can't see right now. I've pleaded in prayer for you. I've set a spiritual foundation so that when you go through the valley, you're going to go through. When you get on the other side, you're actually going to be okay because I've set you up for spiritual success. Even though you're going to fail in the eyes of man, even though you're going to fail in your own eyes, you're not going to fail in my eyes because I created you. I knew everything you were going to do before I put you on the planet. So I've went ahead and set the path for spiritual success, even though you're going to feel like you're not succeeding. And so, but, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because there's some people here today in this room, and I know you're here, and the reason you're here is because you feel like at some point in your past, you failed. Maybe today, you feel like a failure. I know what it's like. I, <laughs> I've had so many people tell me this, and I know what you're saying, and it's a compliment, but sometimes it feels weird. They're like, man, I love coming to your church because I can connect with you. I said, thank you so much. And the guy followed up, and he goes, yeah, man, 
you screwed up so much. I feel like I, I'm just, we're just, to, I'm like, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> that makes me feel awesome. Yeah, give me that fist bump. Jacked up fist bump. I'm, but, I, but, but I'm glad. If you're here and you struggled with, with addiction or depression or anxiety or feeling like a failure, I'm glad you connect with me. Because I want, you to, I want you to know something that God spoke to me over three years ago. And, and if you don't get anything I say today, I hope you get this, that just because you fail, it doesn't mean you failed. Just because you fail, and there's not a person in this room that hasn't fell. Just because you fail, it doesn't mean you failed. The person that fails is the person that falls and doesn't get back up, even because they don't believe they can get back up or because other people surround you and tell you, you will never be what you once were. You know what? They're partially right. You'll never be what you once were, but you can be better. You can be better. Hey, was Peter better before his failure or after? I rest my case. No, I don't. I got some more preaching to do. Here we go. So that when you have repented, now repent, we use that word wrong. Because you'll hear somebody and, 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 and they're, like, they're just cussing up a storm. You need to repent. And, and what we're telling them is you need to change your behavior. But repentance is not changing your behavior. Repentance is changing your mind. You can change your behavior, but if you don't change your mind, you didn't repent. For example, Shannon and I, Shannon, my wife, we're having a little marriage issue in the house right now. Having a little marriage issue. It's a disagreement. And she needs to repent because she's wrong. I'm talking, I'm, I'm, she's not in this service, so I'm just, I'm, but, but, but listen, I think most of y'all going to agree with me on this. It's over toilet paper. <laughs> and how you put toilet paper on the roll. Now, this is a serious issue in a lot of marriages. Oh, yeah, I connect with you, Pastor P. <laughs> There's two types of toilet paper people. There's the over and then the under. Sh Shannon puts the toilet paper under. I have highly recommended <laughs> in a prayerful way that the toilet paper goes over. Now, I'm just kind of curious. How many, how many people are over people? How many people are under people that need to repent? Okay, yeah, 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 that's great. <laughs> it was funny. She was in the last service looking at me. I said, I love you, boo. She didn't smile. But, but I, was, I was just, there's things that we got to change our minds about, that there's a right way to do things, and the toilet paper is kind of funny, but, but repentance has changed your mind. And what Jesus is saying to Peter is not when you change your mind about the circumstances, when you change your mind about you. He said, after you repented and turned to me again, in other words, he said, Peter, I know, I know you're going to screw up. And I know you're going to fall. But after you get past all that, I got something I want you to do. Strengthen your brothers. 
In other words, after you mess up, go find all these other guys that messed up too and speak life into them. So, so Peter was like, I'm never going to deny you. He made promises. And listen, we've all done that, made promises that in the moment we meant it, we just didn't follow through. And that's what he did. And he, he denied Jesus three times. He's famous for it. It's what we know Peter for. And then Mark tells us, and it's important that it comes from Mark, because Mark sat down and, and dictated the story from Peter, like word for word. He got all of his information from Peter. And this is what Mark tells us about Peter in Mark chapter 14, verse 72. And suddenly the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. I don't know if you've ever been at that place. Probably most of us have. Where you just come to the point of a breakdown. And, 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 and here's the crazy thing that I've been reminded of over the past month. When you lock eyes with somebody, you don't know the hell they're going through. You don't know the battles they're fighting. You, you don't know, listen, there are people in this room that this week, that has been you. Over this past month, that has been you. Because you feel like a spiritual failure, like you're broken down. And just like Peter, there's, there, you, you thought you would never be in this place, and now you're in this place. But I want you to understand something today. My current situation is not in charge of my final destination. Just because you feel like a failure doesn't mean you are a failure. And just because things might be messed up doesn't mean they're going to continue to be messed up. Because after Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead. Now, we talk about that every Easter like people expected it. Nobody expected it. I heard a guy say years ago, and it resonated with me, on Easter, nobody expected no body. There was nobody outside the tomb counting backwards from 10. 10, 9, 8, get that hazer going, 7, 6, hit it with the lights, 5, 4, let's get the theme music going, 3, no, nobody expected that. In fact, there were some ladies that went to the tomb, Mark chapter 16, and they were going to prepare the body because men had put the body in there, and the ladies knew the men didn't do it right. So they're kind of going back to fix the work that the men didn't do right. So they're on their way to do it, and an angel shows up. Now, I'm telling you, when you're on your way to do something and an angel shows up, it's going to change everything. And it changed everything for these ladies. And the, and the angel had a message for these ladies, and I want you to watch what the angel said. The angel said this. Now go and tell his disciples including Peter. Not Thomas, not James, not John, not Bartholomew. I want you to make sure that Peter knows something. That Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Now, wh where's Jesus going to? Galilee, yeah, yeah. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. So the ladies come back to the disciples and they say, Jesus said he's going to meet you in Galilee. So the disciples go to Galilee. And when they got to Galilee, what do you think they did? Waited. 
Now, if I'm the disciples, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, we, we got to run. We got to get the express thing. We got, okay, we're in Galilee. Where's he? I don't know. Where's he at? I don't know. Is it, yeah, okay, well, let's, go, let's go to that place where he fed 5,000 people. Remember when he wouldn't shut up all day? We tried to get him to stop. Okay, let's go there. He's, he's, not, he's not here. Uh, let's go, let's, Matthew, let's go to where he called you. Remember when he saw you at the tax collector's booth and you were doing that thing? Let's go there. He's not there. Peter, let's go to your house. Remember that time he was at your house and people started tearing the roof off and throwing people down? And Jesus was healing everybody? Yeah, let's go there. They got there, Jesus, and they're like, what? Oh. And they're just waiting, waiting on God. Just like some of us. And listen, when we wait, we get frustrated. Don't pretend that you've never been frustrated waiting on God. And so finally, I love this. We go back to where we started. John chapter 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan Galilee, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Pause. The reason Simon was going fishing is because he's waiting and he don't know what to do, so he might as well do something. But it's beautiful because this was a setup. Jesus was setting him up, don't miss this, for success. See, most of us think Jesus is setting us up for failure. And he's setting Peter up for success. So, <laughs> you're going fishing. We'll come too, they said. And you know, have you ever had anybody just invited themselves along? Hey, I'm going to, we come too. Oh, God, okay. So, they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. So, so they're waiting on Jesus. They figure they'll do something productive while they're waiting on Jesus. And they can't even do what they used to do. Now, if you fish all night and you catch nothing, are you a little angry? Yes or no? Yes. I'll just do it for the fun. No, you don't. You do it for the fish. So they fished all night and they caught nothing. Hold up, hold up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In Luke chapter 5, in the first week, when Jesus called Peter, right before he called Peter, Peter had been fishing all night and how many fish did he catch? Nothing. Huh. Probably just coincidental. Let's just keep reading. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Now, can I push the pause button? Can we not over-spiritualize this? I've heard pastors say, they didn't even recognize Jesus because they didn't know he'd... Okay, stop it. Stop it. Stop. Why didn't they recognize Jesus? Because he's 200 yards away. Nobody in this room could look in the parking lot and go, hey, there's Bob. If you had binoculars, maybe. If you had the iPhone, you could like zoom it in. The reason they couldn't see Jesus is because he's 200 yards away and nobody in this room has that kind of vision. And if you are, you're, you're an alien. Welcome to earth, all right? So, so they can't see him. But watch this. They can hear him because they're like doing this thing right here. He called out to them, fellows, have you caught any fish? Because that's what people do on the lake. If you, if you got a boat and you're on the lake, you're out fishing, you drive by another boat and they're on the lake. Hey, you catch anything? No, I ain't catching anything. You catch, yeah, we caught, we caught a string of them, right? That, that's how you talk when you're on the lake. No, they replied. Then he says this. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. 
Now let me pause once again. I've heard people say, the reason Jesus said, the reason they listened to him was because on the Sea of Galilee, as you look out into the sea, that people from the shore could see where the fish were and they would direct people where to go. Uh Uh-uh. You know how I know? I've been to Israel 16 times. I've stood on the Sea of Galilee at least a dozen times. You know what you see when you look at the Sea of Galilee? Water. I have never stood on the Sea of Galilee and went, huh? Hey, hey, fishing people. Little to the right, you got it. You can't see. You can't see 200 yards away, fish in the water. Jesus told him, and let me ask you a question. Do you think these guys had actually fished all night and not thrown the net on the right side? They threw it on the right side, the left side. They threw it on the back. They threw it out front. They threw it straight up in the air. They, they threw it out. And they, so, but they, they looked at each other and like, who's this guy? I don't know who this clown is. I don't know. Let's just throw it. In the, okay, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. And, and so they did. I love that phrase, so they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Wait a minute. When Peter let Jesus use his boat, Jesus told Peter, go out a little deeper and put out for a catch, but you weren't supposed to fish during the day. You were supposed to fish at night, remember? And Peter, remember, Peter pushed back. But then Peter did what Jesus did, and he caught so many fish that it almost sunk the boat. Hmm. Jesus is taking Peter back to the place where he first met him and doing the same type of miracle that he did when he first called him. This is called the grace of God. Hey, Peter, I feel the same way about you now that I felt about you then. I'm not disappointed in you. I believe in you. I have called you. You have waited on me. And now you are about to experience immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. And what's Peter's response once he understands that it's Jesus? Verse 7, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. In other words, he said, if Jesus still wants me, I'm all in. I'm not waiting. I am going for it. And today, we talk, listen, in less than 50 days, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and over 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. And all this happened because he was willing to wait. Now, most of you know my story. About five years ago, literally about five years ago, my life fell apart publicly. I mean, I had a wall. And, And just, I mean, I'm just being very honest and transparent. It was tough to come back to Anderson, South Carolina. Because... Did you know in Anderson, South Carolina, if you listen to the rumor mill, you'll find out stuff about you that you didn't know was true? And let me address it because I've been waiting for this for a long time. One of the things that I heard so often was um, when I got back from treatment, I went to a treatment facility or rehab, whichever way. I I had somebody tell me, don't call it rehab. It makes it sound bad. Oh, it was bad. It sucked. It was awful. But one of, the, one of the things I heard about me, and you may, I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand because you might have heard this too, is Perry didn't finish treatment. He left early. I heard that so many times. So today, 
today I just I just wanted to show you my coin. I wanted to show you. And listen, the reason I'm showing this is is not just to prove people wrong, because I know you're watching right now. How you doing? <laughs> the reason I'm showing you this coin is very simple. Don't you let anybody take away the progress that you fought for. Don't you ever let anybody take it away. This right here it is a reminder for me of, of a miracle that took place though. I was, in a, I was in Tucson, Arizona and some of you have heard the story but if you, if you have just let me tell it because it's my story. Four days into rehab I was ready to quit. I was ready to quit, but I wasn't gonna come home and just get on with my life. I had a plan to come home and literally take my life. I knew when I was gonna do it. I knew how I was gonna do it. It was going to happen. I had my bags packed. I was going to leave AMA against medical advice and come home and take care of it because I felt like I was such a disappointment to me, to other people, and to Jesus that there was no way that God would ever use me again. But they had a track at Sierra Tucson where I was. They had a track, and I was walking around that track, and I said, I'm going to take one more lap around the track because it was this place that I love where two mountains came together. It was absolutely beautiful. And as I was walking around that track that night, getting ready to leave, I got to this one spot, and I looked out, and I saw these mountains. It was breathtaking. And as I'm standing here today, God spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard him. <laughs> he said to me, I'm not through with you. I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was breathless. I came back to my room and I unpacked my bags and I said, well, <laughs> and I would love to be able to tell you that things got better immediately, but they didn't. I would love to be able to tell you that rehab was easy, but it's the hardest thing, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I would love to be able to tell you I came back to Anderson and things got better immediately, but they didn't, they got worse. In fact, for about the past four and a half years, it's been a living hell. But over the past six months, things have started breaking in my life. When I say started breaking, chains have started breaking. I shared with you last week, the chains of depression have started to break. The chains of anxiety have started to break. The chains of addiction have been broken. The chain, all the chains that I felt like the devil had on me have been breaking off of me. And it's not because I'm some super spiritual person who had this great amount of faith. I just, all I knew how to do was wait on God. When the morning, on the mornings when I got up and I didn't want to keep going, I could just hear that voice in my head going, I'm not through with you. And I, I, I had to say to myself, even though I can't, even though I can't see it, I got to believe it. God, I'm going to wait on you. And during this season of waiting, God has been working. He's been doing things that I never even imagined. And today I'm in the greatest place that I've ever been in my life. And it's not because I'm a super spiritual person who always got it right. I'm actually the person that always got it wrong, but I learned how to wait on God. And the miracle is when we wait, God really does do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. So I'm saying to the person right now here today that you're frustrated 
Did you want to give up? Did you want to throw in the towel? I hate to wait. But I'm telling you, in that waiting period, it's where he does his greatest work. And if you feel like you're waiting right now and nothing's happening, I promise you things are going on behind the scenes that if you could see it, it would absolutely blow your mind. We serve a God. I would ask you this. Don't give up on God because he has not given up on you. He pursued Peter. He pursued me. He will pursue you. And maybe today, the thing you just need to tell Jesus is, I don't, still don't understand everything that's going on, but I'll wait on you. I will wait on you and trust that as I do, you will renew my strength and I'll come out of this stronger than I've ever been in my life. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I wanna pray for every single person in this room. I wanna pray for every single person watching online that God just, just we're just in a place that we never thought we would be overwhelmed with life overwhelmed with bad decisions that we've made overwhelmed with circumstances that are happening around us Father I pray that we would pause today and realize that you are a good father God, that as we wait on you, God, your promise and your word is that you will renew our strength. And over these next few moments, as we think about it and meditate on it, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show up and do something so significant in our lives. In Jesus' name. I want to thank you so much for that reminder that we can sing and believe for ourselves over and over again. We'll read you a text message I got just a few minutes ago. P, glad you didn't go through with taking your life five years ago. We've needed you a lot in those five years. Listen to me. That's the message that some of you are going to get in six months. That's the message some of you are going to get in another year. That's the message that some of you are going to get in the next week. That's the message some of you are going to get in the next five years. I know it seems dark right now. I know there's somebody in this room that you feel hopeless right now. But if God can do it for Peter, and if God can do it for me, then God can do it all he needs you to do is say, God, I'll wait on your timing, trusting that your plans are greater than my plans, and you will do far greater things than I could ever do. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just want to pray for that person.
to understand. God, you are, you are greater than what we're going through. You're greater than the addiction, and you're greater than the depression, and you're greater than the anxiety, and you're greater than the, the, the relationship issues, and that you're greater than the problems, that you're greater than the frustration, that you're greater than the chains that, that the chains that the enemy wants to put on us. So, I, Father, I pray right now for just just a person in this room or on, watching online, God, that we would just be willing to wait, knowing that you're greater. And God, we're going to come out of this stronger. Peter came out of it stronger, Jesus. And for the person that feels so weak right now, may you just speak so much life. God, may they hear you whisper, you're going to be stronger. You're going to make it through this. His bowed mouth closed. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus in your life. And you know today you need Christ. And right where you stand right now, right now, I want you to pray this in your heart. Just if you're here today and you want to pray this in your heart, you're watching the line, you say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus... I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor and hold your hand up and hold it up high? Hold it up high. Hold it up real high. Thank you so much so we can see it. Thank you. Hold it up high so we can see it. Hold it up high. Father, I want to thank you for these hands that are in the air. I want to thank you so much, God, that you changed people. Father, I want to thank you that you have saved the people today, that people have prayed to receive you today. I want to thank you for brand new life. God, I want to thank you for something that you've given us called hope. Father, I want to thank you that you're putting hope back into people today. I want to thank you, God, that, that people realize the words of that song that we opened up the service with, that if we're not dead, then you're not done. Father, I pray that you would speak life into people that are struggling today. I pray that you would speak hope into people today. I pray that we would walk out of this place knowing, God, that you are greater, that you are stronger, that you live in us, and greater is he that is in me than is in the world. Father, may we walk out of this place knowing, God, that we are walking in victory. And even when we can't see it, we can have faith to know it because you are a good God that wants good things for his children. Thank you, Jesus, for always doing immeasurably more. We love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I'm glad. Hope you guys have an awesome week, and we'll see y'all back here next Sunday.